0: Unite my heart to fear thy name. Turn with me, please, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Unite my heart to fear thy name. We're going to talk about fear this morning. We're obviously going to start right here in, in the first chapters of the Old Testament, where fear entered the human experience. And as you all know, I think it's intuitive. I don't think it, it's hard for us to understand. There's good fear and there's bad fear. Um, there's fear that has good consequences. There's fear that has bad consequences. And we know that the Bible is full of the fear of the Lord. And uh, and yet, often, and I think often as, as younger people, it was hard for us to get our minds around what that really meant. And I would like to to, to be used of the Lord to help Shed some light on that. The definitions I use are not necessarily infallible. You may be able to supplement them or tweak them a bit and get it better. Uh, But there's some things that we can learn here that will help us in our walk with the Lord. Because one of the very elementary things that the Lord wants of His people is that they fear Him. Uh, Turn with me again, Genesis 3, chapter uh, verse 6. Why don't we all, if you would, read with me in unison, Genesis 3, 6 to 10. And I know you know the story. You'll immediately know where we're going at the beginning. Uh, Verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. A human was afraid, and he hid, and it was because he was naked. They knew they were naked, and so they sewed some fig leaves together, made aprons. They heard his voice. They hid. God called, and Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked. Many people have pointed out that right there when mankind sinned, fear and shame and guilt entered our experience and guilt is both a feeling and a fact in other words you often have to sort out in your own mind what we're talking about when we use the word guilt because there is a fact of being guilty of transgressing God's law and then there are feelings sometimes people feel guilty for things that are not a transgression of the law sometimes and many times people do not feel any guilt although they are objectively guilty these, these emotions, new emotions and these new uh, responses of the human psyche all showed up because God had told them what to do and they chose not to do it. Now this fear that we read of here causes us to try to hide from God. But when God tells us fear the Lord, he's not encouraging that same kind of fear. Rather he is encouraging a healthy fear that moves us toward God. That fear moved Adam from God. The fear of the Lord that is commanded in the scriptures moves us toward God. Fear is an emotion caused by acknowledging power outside of our control. Fear is an emotion caused by acknowledging power outside of our control. It's something we can't handle, and therefore we're afraid. But the fear of the Lord, biblically, includes another element, submission. In other words, a desire to be on the right side of the one with the power. In fact, I believe that this concept, and I don't know what to call it exactly, is inherent in all fear. If you think of the fear of an automobile running over you, you also... You submit to that car. You don't step in front of it. And if you do, you submit, because he wins. Right? And, and that's the way it works. And so I think that maybe we could say that, that this fear always it, it involves submission. But when the Lord is speaking that he wants us to fear him, what he's saying is that it is an attitude and that includes the understanding, the emotion, and the will, that admits and submits to the power and authority of God and longs to enjoy His favor. The fear of the Lord is an attitude that admits and submits to the power and authority of God and longs to enjoy His favor. The fear of man, the fear of other people, is an attitude that ascribes to other humans power and authority they do not have and longs to enjoy their favor. Turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs 29, 25. Probably most of you could say this verse by heart. It will help you to see it. I want you to see the parallelism in this verse. The Proverbs are full of Parallelism. And it makes it far easier to understand the Proverbs when you see it. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. Read it with me out loud, please. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Now look at the parallelism there. I have circled fear of man, and I have circled putteth his trust in the Lord. Those are parallel ideas. They're opposite, but they're parallel ideas. And then... I put a square around, snare and safe. It's either one or the other. You either are fearing man or you are fearing the Lord. The results are totally different because the attitude of the heart is totally different. Although, in either case, the fact is fear is involved. Even when it says, putteth his trust in the Lord, that is a parallel idea to fear of man, being the opposite. So it's the fear of God. The fear of God is intricately related to trusting in Him, to entrusting yourself to Him and relying upon Him. What I want you to see is that the basis of both the fear of the Lord and the basis of the fear of man is is faith, It's faith based either on what you have been told by Almighty God or it's faith based on what you see with your own eyes or what you perceive as a human. The fear of the Lord takes the eternal facts that God has revealed in His Word and bases life on those facts. That's the fear of the Lord. That's when I acknowledge that He's powerful. He's in authority. And I submit to that And I want to be on the right side of that authority. I don't want to buck that authority because I don't want to get the consequences of bucking the authority of the Almighty. And I also want everything good that he promises to those that are on his side. The fear of the Lord is an amazing thing. And those who do it reap blessings throughout their entire lives here and in eternity. And we'll talk a bit more about that later. But the fear of man also has a basis. And that's what we see. It's the temporary impression of our senses here that makes us fear other people when instead we should be fearing the Lord. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoso trusteth, putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. One example of the fear of man is the example of the ten spies In Numbers 13 and the interesting thing about this is that in chapter 13 when the ten wimpy spies are talking they don't mention fear but they mention all the things that caused their fear and then they say things like this Uh, they say lifted up their voice cried wept murmured against Moses and Aaron wherefore hath the Lord brought us and so forth. And they never said they were afraid. They just explained all the things that were making them afraid or expressed that fear somehow. Later in chapter 14, Caleb says, rebel not, neither fear ye the people of the land. The Lord is with us. Fear them not. He immediately put his finger on the root cause. The fear of the Lord was not present in those 10 spies, even though they were leaders among God's people. They were not people who feared the Lord, but they did fear whatever was a perceived threat, and some of it was actually, from a physical perspective, something we would be afraid of, right there. But they, and they came marching back with all the evidence that God had told them the truth right on their own shoulders. You know, They're carrying back everything to prove that what he said was true, but they still didn't fear the Lord. Instead, they feared the big walls, they feared the big people, they feared what they thought was a threat to them. What they based their fear on was what they saw, what they perceived, instead of what God had told them. He has told them, not once, I am with you. This land is yours. This is what I have chosen to do. And had they acknowledged And accepted and submitted to his authority and his power. They would have willingly said, that's the side I want to be on. Instead, they thought that people had more power than the people had. We'll see that people have power. But they don't have as much power as God has. And therefore, it is a matter of priority. When it comes to fear in our lives, fear is both an emotion and a choice. We choose what we will fear. I don't think that we always choose in the initial moment. But once, and I don't know how long that is, if it's seconds or milliseconds, once we've had time to evaluate what's there, we make a choice. What am I going to be afraid of? Am I going to be afraid of these people? Or am I going to be afraid of the Almighty God? Am I going to order my steps His way or my way? They saw everything as God said it, but they also saw big obstacles. And he never, ever encouraged them to put their eyes on that stuff. He wasn't encouraging them, go in and check it out and see if you're strong enough to take it. The only thing he was doing was checking to see if they trusted in him. And they failed, although, of course, Caleb and Joshua did not. When we come to the fear of the Lord, we, we have to acknowledge according to scriptures, and according to life, if you have lived long enough to see how life plays out, the fear of the Lord is foundational. It's basic. It's a beginning thing. It has to be renewed. We have to consciously choose of whom we will be afraid and of whom we will not be afraid. But the fact is, The fear of the Lord, the scriptures say, is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom there in Proverbs, I suppose we could just say it's practical good sense. It's just not smart not to acknowledge the power and authority of Almighty God. And not to want to be on his good side, not to want to be the beneficiary of his blessings is foolish. But we are fools by nature. And it's only the grace of God that changes us that we can understand what really is good for us instead of us having this warped idea that what we think is what is reality. We've got to be able to see farther than this life because some of those who fear the Lord will suffer far more in this life than those who do not. But they're still smarter. They've still made the right decision. They still know who wins in the end. They aren't blinded by 70 or 100 years on earth so that they cannot see eternity, what's coming later, what God has been warning mankind about since the fall. The fear of the Lord is foundational. It also motivates us. It stimulates us to obedience to God. Proverbs 3.7 says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. That you should note by parallelism is the opposite of what follows. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You can choose to fear the Lord, and I think that word and that we have could just as well be translated that is. In other words, fear the Lord, that is, depart from evil. They're, they're complementary concepts. It's the opposite of being wise in our own eyes. That's why I say that the fear of the Lord involves submission. We submit to the Lord and we say, you know, I acknowledge I do not know it all. I do not have the ability to control even my own circumstances. I submit to your leading. Lead me in the path of life. That is the fear of the Lord. It motivates us. The fear of the Lord, it says in Psalm 19.9, the fear of the Lord is clean. We probably all have heard that. We've memorized it. We know it. What in the world does it mean when you have a concept like the fear of the Lord and you say it's clean? A car can be clean. A shirt can be clean. Boots can be clean. But what does it mean that the fear of the Lord is clean? What it means is that those who fear the Lord, the result of their life is a clean life. The fear of the Lord results in cleanliness spiritual purity, holiness. So it motivates us, it purifies us, it it prevents the fear of man. In Psalm 56, 3 and 4, you might want to turn to this passage. In Psalm 56, 3 and 4, the reason I'm reading verse 3 is because it talks about being afraid. And this is why I said, sometimes in a moment, When there's a threat, we fear. Then we make a choice. Will I continue to fear or not? Look at what the psalmist says. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. The immediate stimulation to fear came, and he was afraid. But he made up his mind, I will trust in thee. Now, this is related to the fear of the Lord. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. But it just said, what time I am afraid. Then he says, I will not fear. That is our human experience. We're faced with a trial. It could be a diagnosis. It could be news on the phone. It could be something that we see as a major tragedy in our own lives. And the first response is fear. And then we need to respond like the psalmist did. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. I will choose to fear the Lord not everything else that controls. Fear controls. And who you, whom you fear actually determines how you live. You will fear. It's going to happen. It's been happening since the Garden of Eden. The question is, whom do you fear? Or what do you fear? In Psalm 118, 4-6, to six, it says, Let them now that fear the Lord say, That his mercy endureth forever. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? What can man do unto you? Man can do a lot to you, but he can't do anything eternal. He can make your life miserable. I picked up a book and was reading a a biography. The book was written in 1911. And it was about Baptist heroes and martyrs of the modern age up till 1911. And uh, and one of the guys was a, a German Baptist who, once he decided... Once he decided... He wasn't even a Baptist yet. Once he got saved and started telling people about Jesus, he started getting really persecuted. Then... Several years later, he realized that the Bible didn't have sprinkling in it. And so he became a Baptist. The guy was hunted for years. He had no rights in the 1830s, I guess this was, in in Germany, to, to be a Baptist. And so they were baptizing their people at night. They were running. He would baptize them and quickly leave. They'd go back and face the persecution in their own village. He'd go to the next place. And see if the guys caught up with him or not. <laughs> you know, at least they weren't going to get them all. But he feared the Lord. He was hurt. He was injured. He was imprisoned. He was persecuted. But what can man do to him? All they can do is ruin your life here. And even that wasn't ruin, at least it was invested. And then when it's over, it was over for the persecutors as well as for the persecuted. And disappointed them that man wants to die and after that the judgment. None of those persecutors were the judge. Only God was. It was a blessing to read that one of the men who had persecuted him, once some of the laws had been changed, and they had allowed uh, Baptists to actually function publicly in some places, I think it was in the city of Hamburg, Germany, he, uh, one of his persecutors who had earlier said he would basically do anything he could to make sure that the whole Baptist was knocked out of Germany. He finally said, I am going to do everything I can to help you. I discovered who you are. And so there were a few of those cases, but some of the persecutors died hating him. Some of them changed their minds. But what can man do to me? Yes, I could face the same things that the Lord faced as far as persecution, or Paul, or anyone else. It's not that the fear of the Lord is going to insulate you from trouble. The fear of the Lord guarantees salvation that's eternal. It's the beginning of wisdom. It is faith. The fear of the Lord is confidence that He is the final authority, and I long to be on His side, not on the side of those who will ultimately lose, even though they might win in my eyes, and through the rest, it could be till the end of my life, they win, but they won't win finally. You remember what our Lord said in Matthew 10, 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather, fear him. That's a command. Fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You've got a choice. Jesus often spoke, that way don't do this but do this don't go building your house on the sand build it on the rock don't fear those who can kill the body jesus didn't say they can't kill the body jesus didn't say they wouldn't kill the body he said take up your cross and follow me he told the apostle peter uh, excuse me the apostle paul he said you know about him he said i've got to show him what things he's going to have to suffer for my name but they couldn't kill the soul. When you realize with whom you have to do, when you realize that God is the ultimate judge, then you should fear him. And that fear is not a cowering fear. It's a respectful fear. It's the desire to, to be in his good favor. You don't want to disappoint him, although you do. You want Him to be able to bless you. You want what He wants. Just like the Lord taught us to pray. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. The fear of the Lord accompanies the godly, responsible life. Proverbs 31.30 You say Proverbs 31.30 and the ladies want to hide because... Many of them feel as if they could never live up to what is spoken of the virtuous woman here. The fact is nobody could ever live up to anything that is righteous but by the grace of God. You can be what God wants you to be by his grace. But you go through that wonderful biography of this lady and you find out why she was that way. In verse 30 it says, Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Why was she that way? She even had good business sense when she considered the field because she feared the Lord. She was smart, wise, careful, because she feared the Lord. And so I say the fear of the Lord accompanies a godly, responsible life. Ecclesiastes 12.13 teaches us that the fear of the Lord is why we're here. Ecclesiastes is a beautiful book. Um, I'm trying very, well, they're very childlike steps. I would love to translate the entire book. I really don't know Hebrew well, what little bit I know. I learned from other people by distance or self-learning, and it's not a lot. And I would say this about the translation work that we do. I don't claim that what I'm doing will produce a good translation, but I wouldn't do it if I didn't think it would be better than what we have. Somebody else is going to have to follow up. Somebody else is going to have to make it better. But really, my job is the easiest, because it doesn't take much to make what we have better. Um, Because in many cases, those who have translated the scriptures have not really had a a great fear of the Lord. Um, One of the men wrote in a book that he wrote, he said, in the Old Testament, in one chapter, it may say many times, and the Lord said, and the Lord said, and the Lord said. When I prepared my translation, I figured, you know, we don't need to repeat that so many times. So he just, and, and there's many places I've documented, many places, where it just drops out part of the verse. Um, that's not good. <laughs> and it doesn't show the fear of the Lord. Ecclesiastes, I think, is a tract. I think it was written, I have no doubt that it was written by Solomon, But I think that it was written for educated young men, uh, both within Israel and possibly outside of Israel, as as a tool of trying to bring them to their senses and make them useful. And we get near the end of the book, and in chapter 12, 13, he says, this is the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. And you see that in your King James Version, duty is italicized. It's a wonderful provision. It's it's got the sense of it. But I think we can even get the sense without that supplied word, it's the whole of man. It's what man is all about. If you think about what I just said, that's a very close translation too. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's what man is all about. It's got the word all. And it's got the word man. That's why we're here. And that fear of God is actually one of the biggest blessings that God gives to us. That we can fear someone. That we can acknowledge his authority and his power. Someone who actually, although he has all power and all authority, wants what's best for us. Who put his own love on display by taking on himself our sin what a god not only is he that loving and that powerful but he cares about you he's not telling you fear me because he wants to hurt you or because he wants to make you miserable he's telling you that's what you're all about that's your role that's your job that, you know how happy, I don't know if you've ever worked with someone who was doing a job they were not made for. I've done those jobs, okay? I worked with my brother in construction when I was in college, and, and I don't know who suffered more, he or I, um, because my brother was very good with construction, and he can look at blueprints and he sees the building. I look at the blueprint and I see the lines and letters, and you know. I look and see when was it copyrighted? <laughs> you know, um, you know he he can already see this thing in three dimensions and, and, and he can tell where you know I don't think that's gonna work. And I'm thinking, I don't know, that's a neat line. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we get up, you know, tiny. He's walking across the rafters, nothing on there but rafters. And you know, I'm <laughs> I'm not going up there. <laughs> you know, that when when you are in a situation where it's just not your gifting. It's no fun. It's no fun for you. It's no fun for the people around you. Your gifting is to fear God. And it's a whole lot better for you, and it's a whole lot better for everybody around you. That is the whole of man. That's what man is all about, is responding to God's authority rightly. He's powerful. He has the right to rule. And submitting to that and being on his side instead of insisting on trying to fill a role you can never be successful at, the role of rebelling against God. You're never going to be able to do it successfully. And so, when the preacher says, this is the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. He's appealing to people who know about Jehovah, and I think to those who didn't know much about Jehovah, that you know you have a role in life. And that's what it is. You, some people, in fearing God, will be builders. Some people, in fearing God, will be in the books. Some people, fearing God, will do different things. But the primary role for creation, for mankind, is that we fear God. There's one last thing, and this is the title of the message. And that title was, Unite My Heart to Fear Thy Name. So I'd like you to turn to Psalm 86, verse 9. Psalm 86, verse 9. Psalm 86, 9. I'm going to skip a few words in here just to get to the, the main sentence. All nations whom thou hast made shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. That shows his power. Thou art God alone, his authority. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Ever heard of the double-minded man? Ever seen him in the mirror? None of us are 100% wholehearted in fearing the Lord all the time. And, of course, God used holy men of old to write the scriptures. It was a holy man that wrote that. And he realized that his heart was divided... Sometimes you're pulled to fear something besides your creator. And your heart starts to split. And you become like the double-minded man who's unstable in all his ways. And so the prayer of God's people should be, Oh God, unite my heart. I want to fear you. I want to do what you want. I want to fulfill that role. The whole duty of man which is to fear God and keep His commandments. But there's enough in me that I inherited from my progenitors that my heart starts to divide. When those moments come of fear, instead of choosing to fear the Lord, I can choose to fear man or my circumstances. So unite my heart to fear Thy name. Not anything else but Thy name, whatever it be. If I find out tomorrow that according to the best doctor's prognosis I have six months or three months to live, unite my heart to fear thy name. If I find out tomorrow that I've lost my job, unite my heart to fear thy name. If I find out tomorrow that in the family there are troubles I wouldn't have wished on anyone, unite my heart to fear thy name. That prayer should be on the lips or in the hearts, as we say in the scriptures, not depart out of our mouth. In other words, keep being repeated. Keep being repeated. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I want to repeat the definitions I gave you because I think they'll help you. The fear of the Lord is an attitude that admits and submits to the power and authority of God and longs to enjoy his favor as you read the scriptures just take that definition or something and tweak it you may find other things that need to be included you may find a better way to say it but meditate on the word of the lord god wants us to fear him so we need to know what it means to fear him it's an attitude that admits and submits to the power and authority of god and longs to enjoy his favor but the fear of man is an attitude that ascribes to other humans power and authority they do not have and longs to enjoy their favor. There are people, and some of them are probably here, who sometimes make their choices based on what someone else, some other person wants instead of what God wants. Sometimes they do it based, sometimes we do it based, uh, without any knowledge of who those people are. You know, we've got this concept in our mind that that's what they want, whoever I want to be like. And so they control that peer pressure that affects us regardless. Actually, what it is is it's just sinner pressure. It, 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 it doesn't have to be peers. It can be anybody. Um, but it affects us. And so we need to remember that although they can do a lot to us in this life, they can't win. Only God can win. And if only God can win, he's a wise man who fears the Lord. So God, unite my heart to fear thy name. Pastor.